Perspectives is a series of inspiring conversations with remarkable working women who are leading busy and successful lives and have created their own version of happiness and joy or some such uh, version of it. And I like to talk to a number of different women who all usually have a different perspective and a different way that they came to the same place. So today is my pleasure to be talking to the CEO of the Martin Agency, Kristen Cavallo. Welcome. Thank you. I'm excited. Thank you for stopping by (laughs) after that rambly little introduction. So maybe we should just start a little bit. You're the CEO of the Martin Agency. And for people in advertising, they will recognize the Martin Agency for many reasons. Mm -hmm. Mike Hughes, for one, the infamous Mike Hughes. But people in the in the industry will also remember that the Martin Agency sp- sparked off a series of things that happened in the industry related to Me Too with things that had happened there. Mm-hmm. And there had to be change. And you were that change agent coming in. So can you talk a little bit about coming to be CEO of the Martin Agency at such a pivotal time? Sure. Um I was the first of many things that changed, Um, the first female CEO in the agency's 53-year history. Um, It did come about as part of a scandal um, or or part of a necessary change, Mm -hmm. I would say. Um, But it has really been, in many ways, a, a real gift in my career. It was not a job that I had been preparing for in the sense that I had, I had not been interviewing for it. So normally in the process of interviewing, you think of a 30-day plan or 60-day plan. Um, I was told on one day and within less than 24 hours as in the role the next day. And so um, it was more life experience that prepared me and just um, uh, tackling things day to day. But it felt like a job that while it wasn't one that I aspired to, I've never aspired to be a CEO. Mm-hmm. Um that in many ways, I felt like it was a job I needed to do. Um, I care an enormous about about the agency. I'd worked there earlier in my career for over a decade and um, and felt like if it that that there was an opportunity for someone who knew and loved the agency, and I'd worked directly with Mike and John. and so and Mike was so much the heart and soul of that company. and and he and John had really put it on the map in many respects after, of course, Harry Jacobs, who was their mentor. Um, so I knew and respected a lot of the story of mm-hmm. the agency and the heart of the agency. Um, but I also had spent valuable years away where I had learned new strategies and new ways of building things. And so it felt like a combination that I could bring that maybe someone else couldn't. I loved the agency. And if they brought in someone from the outside who didn't love the agency already, I don't know that they would have known what to protect or maybe what to change. Um, I also felt there was a benefit in being a woman um, especially coming out of a situation like that, where it was a different perspective and a different time, and I could lean into progress in new and different ways. It also maybe made it harder because it was um, it harder was our, being a woman. Maybe um, the agency had never known that before, and so mm-hmm. um, and so already the place was reeling, and there were just a myriad of emotions: um, sadness, fear, anger. Um, desperation, urgency, and um, 
And so to then throw in a totally new leader into the mix and then have that leader be somewhat foreign for any type of leader they'd seen prior to that, I think probably for some was welcome and for some others may have contributed to more unease. What were the first things that you did? Um, I hugged about 100 people. Um, I, I went into mom mode. You know, when you see people hurting, the first mm-hmm. thing you do is um, reach out and uh, I think try to show empathy. Um, and so I hugged a lot of people. I had, it was right before the holidays. So I just sent a note out saying that I'd be available for coffee if anyone wanted to talk because I was home and around the holidays. I must have had coffee with close to 50 people, it felt like. I was so jacked up on caffeine um, <laughs> that I didn't get any sleep. Uh, but it, um, so my first thought was I wanted to be very present for the, mm-hmm. for the agency. I immediately called or went to see every client um, and um, was enormously relieved that most of them had no intention of leaving, um, of, of taking the business, which is really such a credit to the people who were working in the agency who'd been working on this business. I mean, in the case of Geico, 20, 25 years, Discover Credit Card over 10 years, um, Track Phone over 10 years, a lot of clients that had been there a long time who were quick to say, it wasn't my team. And one person does not define an entire company. And um, I also got great crisis advice from um, you know Geico and Mondelez in particular were were awesome, and I felt like I was getting a mini MBA in crisis management, and I was a sponge. So I asked for their advice, and I took it. Um, so it was it felt like I was had I had to do a lot of mm-hmm. things with competing priorities all at one time, and I had to pick a new team at the same time of leaders because they uh, the IPG had stepped in and made a number of senior management changes at the time. So um, the upside was I got to pick a team. The downside is I walked in and I didn't have a team, you know, and so it just felt like a lot to do even more in a short period of time. What does it feel like to have so many people looking for you for change? Mm -hmm. Both um, awesome in both senses of the word, awesome as in like enormous sense of responsibility, but also uh, a, a great, it was a great feeling in many respects. Um, I, I, looking back, I'm asking myself as I'm thinking, was I intimidated? I know that I was nervous. I know that I was scared. Um, I wrote a lot of notes to myself on my phone the night before because I couldn't sleep. Um, but I, I never felt plagued by nervousness, um, every day that I went in, I felt like I had a clear sense of purpose and an enormous sense of urgency. And those two things fueled me. And actually I think contributed to be, to the last year being one of the most, um, rewarding of my career. Mm-hmm. And and while I don't always feel like I'll have the um, clarity of operating in leadership from a position of crisis, um, I I like the sense of impatience and purpose that a crisis affords you. Mm-hmm. And I'm more nervous about when there isn't anything like that. 
That's interesting. But hopefully no more crises. Hopefully no more crises. <laughs> no. But I, I think that whole idea of operating with impatience and purpose mm-hmm. is something I would like to keep. It does not have it rooted in crisis. But it's, I, I think it's possible to do that, isn't it? I'm banking on it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I hope so. Um, my biggest fears are boredom, which is one of the reasons I'm in advertising, because every day is different and you don't feel like you ever get bored. Um, but last year, there was none of that, which also I thrived on. Now, you say your biggest fears are boredom. Uh, one thing that I know about you, and actually anybody that goes to look at your bio on the the um, site will see is that you are a world traveler mm. and you travel around not just with you, but with your whole family. Yeah. And that seems to be a huge part of who you are it is. from what I can tell. It is. It is. I'm an army brat. So we grew up overseas um, and we didn't have a lot of money, um, but we we had a lot in terms of experience. My mom and dad felt very much um, like we would just pile in the car and, and drive all over. And, um, and so my kids have been more sedentary than I was. Um, you know, we moved growing up, I moved every three years or so. My kids have not had that. So I've tried to make up for it by traveling. And so every year, predominantly in spring break, we would pick a place out of a hat and go. And, um, and then as My son and I started it early on. We decided we would have more stamps in our passport than candles on our birthday cake. And that was the goal every year. So we knew that every year we had to go at least one place that required a stamp Uh um, in in order to keep the candles and stamps (laughs) in accord. Um, But then when we'd done about three continents, um, then we thought we could, we could do this Mm -hmm. and, um, and we could do it with, with intent and, um, and I liked the idea of my kids experiencing that when they were young, uh, which I know seems a lot of people withhold travel sometimes because they think their kids won't get the, the maximum amount out of it or they won't remember. Um, and I've not ever plagued myself with that. Well, one of the things you say in terms of your kids is that you're one of the things you're most proud of is showing them a spirit of resiliency, mm-hmm. right? Resiliency and possibility. Right. Right. And, you know, when I read that, it kind of gave me chills because for many years, well, for several years, I was a single mom when I was divorced, happily remarried. Mm. The second time was a charm. But I always felt that I, not in the same way as traveling, Mm -hmm. but even being a working mother that I was showing that to my kids. And I felt very proud of that. Yeah. And I think those are two characteristics that are so important. And I'd love for you to talk yeah. about that a bit. I think the only things I can guarantee them is that life will have hard times and that they, um, I want them to have a, I know, want them to know their values. I want them to know the things they care about um, and the character of the people they are so that they can navigate through those kind of life challenges. So the sense of resilience is this sense that not only that they can get through it, but also I want them to go through the world and realize that there are a lot of very kind, wonderful people. And even though right now there seems to be this sense of isolationism and nationalism um, happening really all over the world, and, and we talk of walls and, and all these things. 
our life experiences have been very different. We have, um, we have, you know, gone to places like Rwanda or, or Egypt or, um, Antarctica and, and remote places in Argentina where we've relied heavily on other people to help us. My son and I climbed Mount Kilimanjaro together, relying completely on, um, wow. a Tanzanian. Yeah. Yeah. We don't know how to climb. Like we literally <laughs> bought stuff at REI before we did it. We trained on stair climbers, you know, so it was not like we're, we're normal people that decided to do something extraordinary. Um, but we relied on a lot of people to help make that happen. And, um, and I, we walk away from those experiences with just a great, a, a big feeling of gratitude mm-hmm. tends to be the predominant feeling. And, and, you know, we don't do everything in every country when we're there. We don't, I don't stress about it. I don't, um, you know, we try to do something fun and something educational every day. Um, but, but I really, and I, my, my expectation is that if they go once, maybe they'll go back mm-hmm. and then they'll dive into it and do more things. But um, we were able to do our seventh continent. The my the three of us, my son, my daughter, and myself, we did our seventh continent in um, March of last year. Which was? Antarctica. And wow. uh, it was awesome. It was the quietest place we've ever been. Talking about your kids, but flipping it over back to work for a little while. Mm-hmm. One of the things that women, well, all parents, but I'm focused specifically on women, working mothers uh, have the most, the hardest time with Mm -hmm. is figuring out the balance or creating some sort of balance between being at home with their families and working. Mm. And I'd love to hear, aside (laughs) from the travel, when you're during your day-to-day life, you know, has that been something? How how do you do that? Yeah. I learned something really great from Mike Hughes early on. you know, most of the time I knew him, he had he had um, lung cancer, and mm-hmm. so he was a man that through his life was uh, very aware of death, and um, and so I think he thought he 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 spent a lot of time processing and thinking about things that many people wouldn't stop and think about, right? Um, and someone asked him that question once, and he answered, and I'm just going to steal his answer because it was so great. Um, and so true. He said, I don't search for balance. I search for joy. And, um, and so I, I have always believed that I can do everything I want to do in this life. I just, I may not be able to do it all at once. Yeah. And so, um, I set goals, uh, and, and I just aim to achieve them at some point. So Kilimanjaro was probably on our radar for at least five or six years. And then when it came together, it just came together very quickly. Um, uh, you know, once we decided, once we hit the third continent, we knew we were going to go for all seven. And so then it was just a matter of, we needed four years cause we did one a year for four years. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that felt very achievable and, and, um, you know, we want to write a book, the kids and I about everything we've learned in travel and, um, and that's in the process of happening right now. So it's just, and that's been on our radars for 10 years. So I just kind of set goals, and, mm-hmm. but I don't necessarily burden myself with needing to achieve them all in one year, as long as I just try to get to them. So before you write the book, when okay. your kids write the book, I'd just like to end by asking you, is there one piece of advice that has helped guide you through your career and your life that you could share with us? I mean, from a career perspective, my answer would be to pick your boss. Um, 
I think sometimes we get too trapped or um, we overthink or overweigh the value of I'm going to work on this account or I'm going to work with this company or I'm going to work at this agency. Um, and and the thing is, all those things can change. They're all very fluid. Um, but by picking the person you report into, which many times is within our control, um, you can make sure you pick someone who's going to push you, who's going to put you on stage or pull you out of your comfort zone or give you constructive criticism or give you feedback that helps you evolve. I don't mm -hmm. think for the most part, it's funny. I think as humans, we like to stay in comfort zones, right? We like to, we like to, we don't, we're not risk prone. We're mm -hmm. risk averse, mm -hmm. but we don't change when we stay in our safety zones. We, we come in and depart in the same state. And it is only through sometimes really hard times, usually really hard times, frankly, yeah. that I think we grow. And, um, and I think that is kind of the, the, my goal in life is to, is to leave in a very different place from where I started. And every time we travel, I want to feel like I come home a different person that I've, that I want to come home having gained or learned something that has somehow changed me. I want to change. That is very much a, a key thing for me as mm -hmm. a person. I fear, I fear boredom and I embrace change as a human. Um, so from a work standpoint, I would say pick your boss. Mm -hmm. From a life standpoint, um, I would say um, to invest in hope. I think um, I think there are 9,000 reasons every day to feel overwhelmed or um, apathetic or um, disillusioned, but we can't live that way, right? It's just, it's not, it's, it's not going to get us out of anything and it's not good for us as in our soul. Right. So, um, maybe I'm too idealistic sometimes, but I'd rather lean on the glass half full. I invest a lot in hope. That may be the most beautiful piece of advice I've heard someone say. Oh my gosh. Invest That's in so hope. Nice. I love that. Thank you. I'm stealing that too. Okay, do. Okay. <laughs> Thank you so much. It was a pleasure thank to you. talk with you. It was you. wonderful. I appreciate your time. Thanks. And thank you.